Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe and Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. Did you hear the the melancholy in my voice there, Wade? I did. This is episode 64, and we haven't had a show since our Padres, your Padres, were eliminated from the playoffs. So, but I mean, we'll, we'll get into that stuff in a minute, but on today's show, takeaways from the end of the season, what does 2021 look like, who might be leaving, who might be getting added. I mean, we're going to probably get into all that stuff later in the offseason where things become a little more clear when guys get re-signed or not. And then, you know, holes can appear. So we'll do that off season show, you know, later as things become more clear. Also, this is going to be a popular segment among some people really unpopular among others, but is Eric Hosmer in danger of becoming the goat of this franchise? And that is goat lowercase, the lowercase, I guess the, the old version of goat, which was a bad thing, not the new goat for the, for the Gen Z people out there. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Is, is he going to be the goat? Um, and I know that's kind of a negative topic, but I think, I think it's worth talking about at least uh, at the end of the show when we're, we're done with all the other fluff. So Wade episode 64, I fucking knew it. Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot who went to Tampa Bay in the off season are now going to win a world series in their first year after leaving the Padres, and they're going to clinch the ALCS in San Diego. They I'm, don't I'm have having... playoff Manuel for nothing. Manuel? Yeah, playoff Manuel. <laughs> Everybody's um, calling him it for years. Is that, the, is that a play on words, like the manual? He's the playoff manual, like is the manual you read, although his name is pronounced Manuel? Or no, just... it was just, you know, him being a playoff legend. Am I just Everybody overthinking that joke? Yeah, everybody yeah, okay. always knew he was a playoff legend. Yeah, and uh, as as is tradition, you live up to your legend status the moment you leave San Diego, as is the case with a lot of our great former players. A tradition is old as time. It is. Like the Masters. We could play a little Masters music in there, a tradition unlike no other. Yeah. Um, I'm, having, I'm just having problems with the optics of it, honestly. I like both players. I liked them when they were here. They both had their problems. And I'm, I'm on tape saying I, I thought when Margot left, you know, he was still really young that he was going to have some room to grow still. And I thought the Rays would figure out how to optimize and maximize Hunter Renfro's value. Because uh, when you used him in the right way in San Diego is, is mostly a lefty platoon guy. He worked on his defense a lot, got better at it. And he mashed lefties. I thought he was going to figure that out in Tampa Bay too. And neither of those things have really happened. They're kind of the same guys they've always been. Although in the playoffs, Margot has been a stud. It's just, just damn. It sucks that 
these are my, these are my emotions. I, I can't, I know it, I shouldn't be rooting for players that leave us to not perform well, but that's, this is how I'm feeling. They're just, they're just mixed feelings. I'm happy for both of them. It sucks that, uh, it's happened the year after they left us and I, I can't apologize for those being my feelings. It's just very mixed. But look at the regular that? season. I mean, Manny, what, batted 265 with one home run all season and then like out of nowhere just shows up in the playoffs. Like I know, I know. I think I, I think we still won that trade. I'm not even worried about winning the trade. It's just I'm just jealous. I guess those are just jelly feelings that I'm feeling right now. Okay, I see that. Can't help it, you know? You break up with your your girl, and then she, uh, you're like it's it's amicable. You move on, like eh, don't really want to date you anymore. You don't want to date me anymore. We're separate. And she goes and finds a, a dude who's way better than you. Like that sucks. <laughs> At the same bar that you always went to together. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so before we get into the rest of the show, our major topics, uh, Wade, you want to read a little bit online for us? The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I was going to mix this in later in the show and we started talking about the outfield and Tommy Pham, but I was reading today that Tommy Pham got stabbed today and I'm only what? laughing. I'm only laughing about it because it's not a serious injury and we know that he's going to be fine. But how ridiculous is that, that during our off season, Tommy Pham, he was apparently stabbed in the lower back while trying to uh, get some people away from his car. And I'm just learning now from a friend of ours that the establishment that he was outside of was Pacers. And I don't know if anyone in the audience knows Pacers. Wade, you're a Pacers connoisseur. Do you want to teach the people about Pacers? Pacers is, uh, is Pacers open right now? Are, are strippers doing their thing right now? In San Diego? I, I didn't know that, but apparently I don't think you just hang out in the parking lot at Pacers for fun. You never know. I mean, that is really weird. So yeah, he was walking to his car some people were milling around outside by his car in like having an argument. This is, I don't know, just all what's being reported right now, according to the San Diego Union Tribune. And he went to go get those people away from his car and something, something happened and he was stabbed in, in the back. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous story. Pacers is a chain though. Was it in Pacers San Diego or was this? It's in San Diego. Yeah, it was in San Diego. Okay. So... It's the one right over in Point Loma, correct? I I don't know if it's in Point Loma. I've never been to Point into uh to Pacers. I I believe it's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> so anyway, he was uh so he was stabbed at Pacers. I might leave that in or not. I'm not sure. Um, that's just such a. Uh, at least it's not during the regular season. At least it's not serious. We're, we're all grateful that Tommy Fam is okay. But just like what the what the fuck kind of story is that? Getting like the season just ended and you're at Pacers getting stabbed. I mean, he's already had COVID, so. True. I heard the steak there is amazing. Real good roast beef. <laughs> let's Okay, the real show's starting. Uh, let's get into it. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. The end of the season, um... 
it, this sucks. We haven't had a show since um, our Dodgers preview pod with with Dustin, and uh, we had Clay Hensley on also. But you were not on that show. I don't want to spend a ton of time on the series. We we all know what happened. We all watched it. Uh, there was a heartbreaking loss in Game Two that, that the Potters had a real chance to steal. Which you know the Game Two at a best of five that can change the whole series. Decent start to Game Three. They had a lead at, at one point. It was two to one. And then they just kind of faded into exist in, uh, from existence, and we j- we knew it wasn't our year. So there's some there were some emotions that happened right after the game that we were we were all really bummed out, but didn't have the starting pitching. We knew it the whole the whole playoffs. We knew we weren't going to have the pitching. We had hope, and we asked our bullpen to do a lot over six games that we played in the postseason. And they're just you're not going to win that way. And I think we all knew it. And if you ask the team. You give them some truth serum. They they kind of knew they weren't going anywhere this postseason either. You don't just lose your two best starting pitchers and expect to compete for a World Series. That's not what it looks like. So um, what are your final thoughts on the Dodgers series and anything else that you have for the end of the season? I think you pretty much nailed it. We knew we, I mean, we all hoped that we had a chance, but we knew deep down that we really didn't. Um, not having the two starting pitchers kills and this Dodgers team is, the best team in baseball. So yeah, going, going up against them with two starting pitchers, there's not much you can expect. And, you know, I'm just proud of what we did this year. And I think it's the future is bright as it always has been, but this one, you can actually see it coming together. It, it kind of sucks for a few different reasons. One being it was the Dodgers and they got swept, which I'd like to just steal one game and that that game was going to be game two. And they, they uh, had their chance at the end. Um, It's also, it also kind of sucks because we got some career years from guys that you didn't expect to, and you don't often get multiple career years from players. So um, I'm just hoping that the best is yet to come for some of these guys. Tatis didn't get his MVP this year. He's not going to, I don't think Machado is going to either, but you can make a case that it was Machado's best season. Um, it was definitely Jake Cronenworth's uh, coming out party, and I hope it's not his best season either. And I hope it's not Will Myers' best season because those guys all had really, really strong performances. But there's room to grow in other spots. I think Trent Grisham has showed he's, he has room to expand. The pitching, we saw glimpses of it. Uh, didn't get a good season from Paddock at all. He can bounce back. Uh, Lamette, Clevenger both getting hurt. We can hope for them to stay healthy. And then a full season of what we saw from Fernando Tatis Jr., in the first month of the year where he looked like the best player in baseball. Uh, he really faded at the end. Eric Hosmer faded quite a bit. We'll talk about him at the end of the show, but there's definitely room to grow. There's room. If the guy, if some of the pitching stays healthy, um, they still have one of the best prospect systems in baseball that hasn't changed. Luis Patino is coming. Uh, Mackenzie Gore is coming. Luis Campusano. We saw a glimpse of Jorge Ono. We saw a glimpse of you know, guys are all coming. Reinforcements, are coming. What about and Weathers? I, Your boy Weathers. Oh, Roop? You mean Roop? Yeah. <laughs> he looks just like one of our friends, Rupert. It's it's spot on. So he uh, he came in and made his debut in relief and looked very strong. And I wanted to temper expectations with him just a little bit because as fans, you tend to overvalue the short-term success of players. People thought Chris Paddock was going to be the ace of the staff. And there were a few in the vocal minority that were like, you know, like this, he's never been ace. He's not, that's not in his, uh, makeup right now. Maybe he gets there. 
he wasn't a top 10 prospect ever. He was never like a top 20 prospect ever. He needs to work on some things. Like he had immediate success. And then we saw the reverse of that this year where he struggled and now people want to trade him. So like, I don't like going extreme to extreme. Let's not put all the pressure on Ryan Weathers to join the staff next year and be, uh, you know, or, or one of the top of the rotation pieces. That's just not who he's going to be right away. And can that happen in a, in a few years where he gets a chance to grow and, um, work on some things that all young pitchers have to work on. Absolutely. But I would just be cautious of expecting too much too soon, which we all as fans have a tendency to do. I think he's going to be an ace there. I said it next year. <laughs> uh, Ryan Weathers. Good. I'm glad, uh, you're keeping up with the tradition of expecting too much from guys. Yep. And then when he's not an ace trade him, right? Get, just get rid of him. Yeah. For Bauer. Okay. Well, That's Bauer's going to sign with us in free agency. So I mean, we're going to have like eight legit starting pitchers next year. So we can talk about that right now. What is 2021 going to look like? I'll start with Lamette and Clevenger because those are the two biggest question marks. The offense was one of the best offenses in baseball. That's not something that you ever say about the Padres. So that in itself was miraculous. But if they had the pitching, I mean, you remember the the Trevor Bauer tweet. Uh, I don't know if you follow Trevor Bauer. I expect I encourage everyone to tra- follow Trevor Bauer on Twitter at Bauer Outage. He's like, I don't remember what he said exactly, but it was along the lines of imagine this Padres offense with a stable of elite starting pitchers. And then he gave like a wink emoji that, that got you fired up. You're a huge Trevor Bauer guy. Love Bauer. Again, it was one of the trades I wanted to make at the trade deadline. And the fact that he does sign the one year deals, it's like, Hey, maybe we, so you're saying there's a chance. Well, I don't know what the finances look like they're spending a lot of money and they've spent, which is great, but that doesn't mean you can just keep spending more every year. And we're coming off a pandemic season where pretty much every baseball team lost money. So what do the finances look like for next season? I don't think anybody really knows. And I don't, I don't think if you put a gun to Ron Fowler's head, he would know if what they're willing to spend right now. Yeah. It's not our money. So spend it, you know, but we don't, we don't even know if he has it. I don't think he knows if he has it. True. So that's, that's the problem. But starting going back to Lamette, so there was some news today from the Union Tribune, Kevin Acey, that Lamette began a platelet-rich plasma therapy on his right elbow. And the interesting he- thing here is you, I only ever hear of these PRP injections into the elbow area when there's a tear in the ligament or a partial tear in the UCL. And this is a treatment that has been experimented with successfully a lot of pitchers who have little tears in their UCL to avoid Tommy John surgery. Adam Wainwright had one, and the last one that I remember working really well was Masahiro Tanaka. And a lot of people at the time, when Tanaka had his UCL, it was several years ago, um, people, podcasts that I were listening to at the time, fantasy baseball podcasts, uh, I think incorrectly were calling for, you know, hey, just get the surgery right away. There's a tear, boom, get the surgery. Why are we, skip, why are we trying to dabble with this platelet, platelet-rich plasma therapy when we know the surgery is really successful. And for a lot of reasons that I think I don't need to rehash, the surgery is not always successful. There's, I think, uh, uh, proof and evidence that suggests that if you can avoid the surgery, you should don't just get surgery for the hell of it. If there's, if there's cause to not get a surgery and you think platelet rich plasma, if you're a doctor and you think this will work, I think you do it and don't just do the surgery. Also, before I got derailed there, Lamette does not have a UCL injury. They're, they're calling it a biceps injury and there's tightness in his bicep. 
I don't really know why, but the the details on that are a little fuzzy. They're saying the injury is close to the elbow, so a platelet-rich plasma therapy injection will uh, will help the entire area. So no ligament issues. He's not in danger of getting Tommy John. Um, if you're calling for a Tommy John surgery, don't do that. He's already had one, and it was uh, in 2018, and we all know that he missed uh, that season. But let's not call for surgery here. Uh, it's it's not a it doesn't make sense to me to get any kind of surgery if you think a PRP will work and PRPs have been shown to work in the past. Wade, you gonna you gonna be doing anything here today? Got a hundred cal tucked in my PRP. What? Little Wayne. <laughs> That's all I could think of the whole time you were talking about that. Awesome. I'm glad uh, we waited through ten <laughs> seconds of silence to get that that missed joke. Clevenger <laughs> apparently needs nothing more than an arthroscopic surgery, which is a minor surgery. This is also according to Kevin AC of the Union Tribune. Um, expected to make a full recovery for the beginning of 2021, as is Denelson Lamette. So they're both expected to be ready for spring training. So that's that's good news. But as pitchers coming off, missing the end of the season and not being able to pitch in the playoffs when you need the most, starting spring training with a little bit of doubt just makes me really uneasy. And these are guys you're going to re- be relying on all season. I don't like heading into the season with all this shit over their heads. I hope so. I I'm scared that Clevenger, this is way more serious than is being reported. I have a hunch that this isn't the case. And if I dare say it might be career ending. Oh my God. You, it's totally unfounded. You, why are you putting the voodoo out there? First of all, when you have no evidence to support you, just very reckless I, of you, Wade, okay, reckless, I irresponsible, mean, ill-informed. I hope that. that I am very wrong. And in the future, we can look back on this episode and say how wrong I was, but I just have a sneaking suspicion. Do you want to get into why you think this? No. I'll, I'll jump into it. So uh, you were at a bar <laughs> talking to a former, a former unnamed minor league pitcher who thinks any kind of uh, cortisone shot means a career-ending injury for a pitcher. That is correct. That is correct. So not an active player, not a doctor, uh, not even a, not even a former major league player, but a, a washed-up bartender who thinks that cortisone shots are bad. He was very convincing. I will say that. Um, how many refreshments have you had going into this conversation? There was a couple scotches going on. Yeah, okay. So we'll just end that right there. Uh, Mike Clevenger, who has great peripherals. I love all of his numbers. He's, he's an ace when he pitches. The problem is he's thrown 200 innings once in his career. And I know 200 innings is kind of this old benchmark that we use to uh, talk about the versatility and durability of starting pitchers. And it's not necessarily, you know, what we should be holding the standard that we should be holding everyone to anymore in an era where starting pitching is less relied upon, but still to only have thrown 200 innings once a little concern. He, he doesn't stay healthy. It's not that they're, you know, holding the Indians back on it. He just doesn't stay healthy through seasons. It's either the back or this year was the elbow, which is more concerning the good news is the Padres do have two more years of control. So this year, or 2021 and 2022, and the time to win is now. Do you do you expect the Padres to add to the starting rotation? From what I've heard, 
publicly that they're t- I don't have any insiders here, but the, publicly they're saying that they're very happy with the rotation. Lamette's going to be a, a top three Cy Young finalist this year. Uh, he's supposed to be healthy going into next year. Clevenger, if he's healthy, you expect him to be a Cy Young finalist. I, I don't know what else you really need from the starting rotation, unless you want to spend $20 million on Trevor Bauer or probably more is what he's going to command in a one-year deal. It's probably going to be right more towards 30. So is that a good way to, to spend the money in the off season? I don't think it is. I would say yes, just because I think we're getting back to the playoffs. And if you can go into the playoffs with three amazing starters, like who's going to knock you off in the playoffs? Well, we just saw you lost two of them and we didn't stand a chance. So next year, if you have all three and you lose two of them again, you still don't stand a chance. Trevor Bauer wasn't going to make a difference in this Dodger series. We maybe would have got one, which is what you just said that you wanted. So. Yeah, so we're going to spend $25 million on a one-year deal for Trevor Bauer to win an extra game in the playoffs. I don't. Yeah, I just don't see... Healthy, though. Yeah. And have we if determined if they're doing eight teams next year or are they going back to four? I don't. Eight teams or four? What? What do you mean? The playoff for the playoffs? Yeah, or five teams, I guess. Five with the wild card play play in game. I honestly don't know yet. I don't. I don't know if they've said for sure what they're going to do. Gotcha. Because if you've had those three starters and we're in that first round, you're not losing that series. Well, here's some other stuff that you need to think about with the payroll. So Trevor Rosenthal is an unrestricted free agent. He made just two million dollars. This season, that will not exactly $2 million. It was prorated, obviously. Um, I didn't feel like doing the prorated math. So allegedly, in a, in, a, in a non-COVID world, his salary was $2 million. And Kirby Yates, who's also an unrestricted free agent, was making over seven. So those guys in a post-COVID world, hypothetically, are going to command more than that going into next year. And we saw the, we saw the need for a starting rotation, and we saw the need for a bullpen, which at times this year was really good at times it wasn't. And then we saw at the end of the year was exhausted and we were missing a couple big pieces, Kirby Yates specifically. So what do you do with the bullpen? Do you pay Rosenthal and Yates? Do you pick one? I think uh, you pick one. So who do you pick? Whoever's cheaper. Uh, well, Yates coming off an injury. Um, I would assume it's going to be Kirby Yates, although he's not going to be cheap either. I don't think either one's going to be cheap. And Rosenthal seemed to fit into the community really well. I think he enjoyed his time in San Diego. He liked being on the team and he just loves the city. He, you saw a real connection with him. If you follow him on Twitter, uh, that he had a real, it seemed like an honest and genuine connection and love for the city. So I think he wants to be here and I don't know what kind of discount that would mean if any, but he's a lot younger than Kirby Yates a lot. I mean, not as much of a track record as Kirby Yates. He's got good seasons in the past with St. Louis but until recently, he he was almost out of baseball. I've talked about that when the trade happened. He had a couple really bad years where he couldn't find the strike zone. And that could that could happen anytime. And I, I don't know what decision you make. You have to be in the negotiating room with both of these guys. Um, I agree with you. I don't think they can sign both. I would lean Rosenthal just because he's younger and not coming off of an injury. But that that's money. That's gonna be an increase in money, no matter what. True. The outfield, so Myers, Fam, Grisham, Profar is also an unrestricted free agent. He ma- he was going to make five point seven million this year. The qualifying offer for free agents that you can make, you know, you know, you're familiar with the qualifying offer. Uh, free agents to be can be offered a qualifying offer. 
um, which this year is going to be set at, I think, $18.6 million, and it's a one-year deal. And if the player the player doesn't really have um, a lot of incentive to take it, but what it means is that the, the, play, the team that owns the player from the previous year gets draft pick compensation for losing them. So you can offer it to Profar, you can offer it to Rosenthal. Um, it's, you would get draft pick compensation if they declined it and decided to enter free agency, but I don't think I'd be comfortable paying any of those guys $18.6 million, even for one year. But Profar fit in really well. Yeah. What, what would you do with Profar? Do you make him offer? Do you try to extend him long-term? I thought he fit in really well. Um, he's obviously really close with Tatis and Machado. And he's versatile, plays a lot of positions, infield, outfield, and had a sneaky good year. More more than what you were expecting from him coming into the season with the power, uh, the versatility, and he was better in the batting average department. He he did everything we thought he was going to do and more. So I, don't, I, I would like to try to sign him long-term. What do you think? I would agree. I think you got to keep the guys, your stud guys, particularly Fernando, happy. And it seemed like Brofar just always cheered him up and they hung out. You see it on Instagram, like they're always hanging out together. I think, I think that is kind of a little more behind-the-scenes value that you're now seeing with social media where guys like that, the clubhouse guy, as you would say, actually has some value. A clubhouse guy, yeah, with value, which is rare. So I'd feel comfortable offering him like a three or four year deal at maybe an average annual salary of eight or nine million. If they can afford that, I would do that. I think he'd even take less. You I think you can get he, him to take I think, less? I think he would be a guy that would take a hometown discount. Well, I think that's probably what he's going to be valued at on the open market and it'll, it'll be up to him to uh, decide that because I don't know, this changes every year, but roughly one win uh, per season per player is about, I think eight or $9 million. And I think he's roughly a one win player going forward. Okay. So I think that's, I think that's what you, I don't know what the numbers were this year. I'm, I'm hesitant to even look up the, the war numbers for this year because it was 60 games and I just don't have a lot of confidence in those numbers, but over a season, I think we've seen him in the past be a half win or a full win player. So um, that's what, that's what I would offer him. And I think it'd, it'd be nice to have him around. What do you do with Mitch Moreland? Who is a, who has a $3 million club option. I've gone back and forth between not caring if he comes back at all and saying, fuck it, let's bring him back. And I think I'm kind of settling in on fuck it. Let's bring him back. What are your thoughts? Is the DH going to stay i think we're all assuming it is so if it is i say fuck it let's bring it back it's just a three million dollar bench piece i think that's great value and we have seen hosmer's glove which we will get into oh god a better fielder than our four-time gold glove first baseman i yeah i like him it's not great that he's also left-handed him and hosmer can't kind of naturally do a a, a part-time platoon. Not that I probably would want to platoon them, but if he was right-handed, there's definitely more at-bats for him. Uh, With the DH, a lot more things open up. He he and Profar can handle DH duties. Profar is more of a a better bench bat just because of his late-game versatility anyway, being a switch hitter and being able to play multiple positions. But I would love Moreland as a part-time DH, as a part-time first baseman. You can trade off and on with Hosmer, Give Hosmer a, a blow once in a while, 
And I think it makes a lot of sense to re-sign Mitch Moreland. Um, he's, he's cheap enough. You're not going to find many cheaper options for veteran guys like that who I think still could help the team out. So I, I'm in the camp of, fuck it, let's just bring him back for one more. He did have a couple Mitchy two-bag at-bats for us. P- postseason, he did. Exactly. So th- those were our thoughts heading into the off season, kind of wrapping up the 2020 season. It was a weird fucking year and I'm happy uh, with how they played. I think, what else could you have expected to make the postseason and win a series? I think that's a successful year for the Padres in a nutshell. Would agree. I think it was a very successful year for us. Boom. Successful year. We'll get them next year. And I think we have a lot of, we have a lot of reason to be optimistic for next year. Let's take a turn towards negative town. This I li- I live in negative town, Wade. Um, so you should be used to to visiting me here by now. So Eric Hosmer, do you want to talk about Eric Hosmer for a little bit? I mean, I know you're dying to since you live down there in the slums. Uh, I'm in negative. He, hey, he's he's renting the house next to me. So here's his uh, his recent resume, and this is like a resume that's not just you know it's what he's been doing. Um, more of a CV than an actual resume. So there's that, I always think of this play that he, uh, that the pop fly in the infield playing the Houston Astros, where he runs in from first base, overruns the play, the ball drops behind his head about halfway to to the pitcher's mound and the Astros walk it off. Um, that's on his resume. He did that the four time gold glover. He still has $79 million and five years left on his deal. That's going to take him through his age 35 season new newsflash, uh, breaking news. He's not going to start improving now. We are going to start seeing a downturn in productivity. He started the season with a sharp spike upwards in his fly ball approach, which was something we all heard about him working on during the offseason, something he was ready to embrace. And he unfortunately got hurt a few times, missed a big chunk of the season. And in the final month of the year, we saw him statistically regress to his former negative launch angle self. He became... In the last month of the season, he was the same Hosmer he had been in years past. So did the launch angle launch angle uh, conversion take? Did it take for him? I'm not sure it did. He's a first baseman. You know, one of your, your biggest bats. You, re- you rely on this position to be occupied by one of your biggest bats. He's a career 278 hitter, which by itself is fine. He's a 333 on base player, which by itself is average. As a Padre, he has never topped 22 home runs. His career high is just 25, which he did in his final year in Kansas City. He had this huge drop. Was it game three um, with the Dodgers series where he dropped that ball from Jake Cronenworth? I don't even remember. I kind of blacked I think it was, out. I think it was game three. Haven't you seen him? Haven't you seen him drop that ball more than once in the last yes. year, year and a half? He did it twice. He did a game one, too. I, I have never seen another first baseman just miss the ball like he has the tendency to do. I don't understand. Without um, stretching, too. He just misses it. Yeah, I don't know. And then in game two versus the Dodgers, down by one in the ninth inning, bases loaded for him. A couple guys in front of him walked to load the bases. This is this is our chance. This is what we got you for. And he grounds at the second base. So It, it would have been his, okay, you're worth it moment. Yeah, he's had some okay, you're worth it moments. 
He was part of Slam Diego, which will go down in history. He'll always be on that Rushmore of Slam Diego. But I remember him for grounding out to end game two of the NLDS. I remember him for overrunning that pop-up on the infield versus the Astros. And I remember him missing balls thrown at his chest that he just somehow that somehow bounce off his glove. This is, this is what I know him for. So is he going to be remembered as one of the worst signings in Padres history? And he's a, he's a likable guy. Uh, I like him as a person. I like what he brings to the clubhouse, but the dumb plays he makes at first base are compounded by the fact that we get to be told every game that he's a four time gold glove winner. I don't need to hear it anymore. I'm not seeing it. Um, his negative launch angle and insistence on hitting the ball into the ground in the era of fly balls and home runs, he's not, he's not doing it. And it's all made worse because AJ Preller felt the need to overpay him. He's making on average over $18 million over the life of his contract. So all of that together rolled up into a little ball, just unfortunately makes him one of the, the goats of Padres history. The bad goats. If you look at it, spin zone, it can't get much worse. Spin zone? Well, like I said at the top when I was introducing this, introducing him, he's he's only getting older. He's only going to get worse. You're not, you don't see guys suddenly improve unless it's 2001. Suddenly improve all of their statistics and he turns into a 300 hitter with 30 home runs every year. He's not going to do that. Maybe he finds some steroids that are ahead of the testing. <laughs> if he can somehow get back to what he was doing in the offseason and what he, he started this season doing, which was hitting the ball in the air more, we all know, and he knows, that he hits the ball really hard. And the ball is going to do more damage when it's elevated for him, especially this ball and in this climate. I, I don't know why he regressed at the end of the offseason. It could have been just one of those small sample sizes. Absolutely could have been one of a small sample size. It was over a month. So do we get a full season of first half Eric Hosmer next season? I hope so. But for now, everything is pointing towards me not really believing in that. And I don't know why you can be optimistic. I tend to not be optimistic in baseball. I expect the worst and hope for the best. That's just kind of who I am, I guess. But I don't see him drastically improving much. I think he's just going to be a 270 hitter with a 330, 340 on base that hits about 22 to 25 home runs every year and, and plays an average to below average first base defense. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. It's just unfortunate. And I, I don't want to see him become a goat, but the salary dictates what we expect from you. So uh, I'm just disappointed. I don't know what else the Padres can do. And long term, I think you just you're stuck with. I don't think he has any trade value right now. Coming into the season, we were talking to Dan Zamborski. Dan Zamborski thinks you couldn't trade him out if you wanted to. There, I don't think there's any way you could. I think he has one of the most untradeable contracts, probably a top ten most untradeable contract in baseball. If I went through the list, right up there at the top. I don't know some of those Angels contracts. <laughs> the Angels, Justin Upton and Albert Pujols are definitely at the top. Um, but I think I think Eric Hosmer is top ten. That could be a fun offseason. Well, maybe we'll do that as a Fox. segment. Uh, look at <laughs> worst contracts. I like it. Cool. So we'll we'll get into that later. But a lot of stuff to talk about in the offseason. We'll talk about, you know, um, Preller is never going to be quiet. So he, he's going to make some noise. There's winter meetings. There's going to be trades. 
I, I expect a lot of stuff to happen this offseason, so we're going to stay busy. And we're going to talk about all the exciting young prospects and possibly international signings that are going to happen over the winter. And then we got the draft to look forward to and all that stuff later in the season. So um, always stuff to talk about. Before we go, let's get into locks of the week because last week um, we ended up not bringing Wade back on for lock of the week. We missed the one before, so we've we've missed a couple locks of the week. But Wade, let's hear what you're thinking this week. I know it's we're recording this on a Monday, and so these are fresh, hot, uh, ripe lines for you to peruse the the guys out in the desert haven't had a chance to react to these lines yet so these are fresh lines and they're going to move a lot so what do you recommend people jump on early with having done very little research for the show as i'm sure most of the audience knows as is um, tradition yeah <laughs> i am taking the green bay packers minus two over the tampa bay buccaneers tom brady just does not have it i well, watching that game, if people at like ESPN were drooling over Brady beating up on the Chargers a couple weeks ago, and I kind of figured like, we're not going to see this Brady the whole season. And then we saw him come back. To, I mean, the game against the Bears, you thought they should have won probably by double digits, and that didn't happen. We we saw a Brady confused about what down it was instead. So I, I the Packers are great this year. Um, it's only two points. That kind of that smells like a fishy line to me, though. I don't like sm- that kind of smell. It does, but I fell for it. Okay, if you're falling for it, hey, sometimes the public is right, you know? So I am going to double dip, and I'm going to give you a teaser. So I'm giving you two teams, but it's one pick. It's a teaser. I don't know if you people tease out there or not. I love to tease. I've hit my last several teasers. So the Rams are minus three and a half playing the rotting corpse of the San Francisco 49ers. I I don't know why that's only three and a half. Uh, It's... You know, I, I, I would have made this a parlay, but that extra half point kind of scared me off. So I'm including that in the teaser with the Baltimore Ravens, who are minus eight playing the Eagles. And the Ravens beat the shit out of bad teams. That's all they're pretty much good for. The Eagles are a bad team. So I expect the Ravens to cover this pretty easily. But you're going to tease them with the Rams, who are going to get teased up to plus two and a half. Rams win this game. That's all you need from the Rams. Just win, baby. And the Ravens get teased down to minus two. And the Ram- the Ravens are going to cover that easily. So Ravens, Rams, teased. Uh, that's my lock of the week. What do you think of that? I might have to throw some money on your little tease. I threw a pretty fat tease on it. And I also, I might just double dip and make it a parlay too. Wow. I know you should uh, spread out your units a little bit more than that. But... I like I like both teams a lot, and you know if I if I hit both, we're we're doing well for the week. That might be my only bets for the week. We'll see. Final final thoughts from you there, Wade. Yeah, I, I thought you were going into. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter <laughs> account at Friar Farmhands, and if you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. Our Chargers are up twenty to three right now. Your Chargers. Well, we bet on them, so it's our Chargers this week. Not my Chargers. If we if we have units on them, they're our Chargers. That's all I care about. You can also unit- find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been Wait. listening to the Believe in Padres <laughs> Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Wade. That was Ryan Hart. We'll talk to you all next week. It is a material world, and I am a material girl. Just move on.
Does Lauren know that you uh you go to Pacers? Who? Good answer. <laughs> Lauren, I said Lauren. Warren? Yeah. Cut that. Your, Take your that roommate? Out. All of that. Your roommate, <laughs> wait. Yeah. Well, she's referred to as the roommate only. Uh touchdown chargers. Nice. Fine, I'll take it out. She's she's been mentioned on the show before. I know, but I think the roommate bit is funnier. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.